We'll be um, reading from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, and you'll find this passage, if you'd like to follow along, on page 835 in your Pew Bible. Would you stand, please, for this reading of God's Word? Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of God. Our second reading this morning is also from the New Testament. It's from Paul's letter to the Philippians. It can be found on page 981 of the Red Pew Bible. It's Philippians chapter 3. Let's give you a second to get there if you want to. We're reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 14. Sorry, verses 7 through 14. But whatever, I, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, please be seated. Now again, what a privilege to be able to be together on this day and, and so joyful to see families together. I know many of you honored people in your family by saying, I will join you today. And, and I just want you to know how powerful that is. 
I am at that age and stage when, when my children uh, are with me, it makes all the difference in the world. When family is with me, it makes all the difference in the world. But have you ever had that kind of experience that absolutely changed everything you ever thought was true? Have you ever had those seminal events in your life where, where your, your direction changes and you're never the same as a result of it? I feel a little odd, kind of like we're peeking into somebody's God moment um, in, in our scripture here today. But I know that all of God's word is for us as well. The testimonies we see in it, the life change that we see in God's scripture is for the purpose so that we might be invited into that life change as well. And I believe with all my heart that the transformation that happened that Sunday morning, we're going to get to see it in a couple of women's lives in particular today, that transformation changed everything for them. And I believe it changes everything for us as well. I know this is such a familiar story, but pray with me, would you, that God would just open our hearts and minds to receive it anew. God, thank you so much for your word that it never returns to you void. Every time, God, it is read, every time that it is spoken, it accomplishes your purposes. And so, God, I pray that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, God, and that you would receive them as this fragrant offering, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just begin our time today together by asking a couple of quick thoughts here, and by sharing a couple of quick thoughts. Um, what, what are you seeking? If, if someone were to ask you, what is it that you seek, right? How would you answer? Now, I know that, that uh, a lot of times we, we find ourselves spending our energies for that which we didn't seek, right? Ever been in that place before? Um, we find ourselves uh, spinning our wheels for something that's not even what we desire. And then maybe with a little help from friends or God's Holy Spirit prompts us and, and we ask ourselves that hard question. What is it that I'm really seeking? Now, now to be fair, that morning what, what the two Marys in Matthew's account here were seeking was a dead body. I, I don't know how to put this any differently. They were expecting to find a dead body. And I, and I have to say, uh, in a strange way, I find comfort from that, that people who had walked with Jesus for, for three straight years, people who had heard him, and Matthew records it in the previous chapter, had heard him clearly say, these are the things that are going to happen to me, Right? Uh, the Son of Man, his nickname for himself, is going to be beaten and flogged. He's going to be crucified. Jesus spoke these words in advance. And, and he's going to die. He is going to die. Jesus said to them, I am going to die. And, and my guess is what happened to them is the same thing that happened to me, just as I just said that. I didn't hear anything after the I'm going to die, right? Think about the times when you have been in that place. Did you hear anything after those words came to you? Right? And so I'm not surprised, but he kept going. He said, and on the third day, be raised to life again. But that morning, did they remember that? That morning, were they expecting, were they expecting uh, to find 
an empty tomb? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not blaming them again. But, but it kind of answers that question. That morning, they were seeking to, to do their duty in love to, to the one who had passed away and to anoint his body for permanent burial. You'll remember that, that uh, he was crucified and actually died about 3 p.m. On, on, on Good Friday. And, and they had three hours to get permission to get his body off that cross, right? And to get it into a tomb before Sabbath began. Because they loved God and they believed his word. And they believed that they would not be able to do anything for Jesus after sunset. Or let's just choose that number, 6 p.m. on, on Friday. And so, uh, in, in almost a miraculous way... Um, Pilate gave Jesus' body to Joseph of Arimathea. They hustled that body off the cross and into the tomb in those three hours. So the last time they had seen Jesus, he was lying on a slab in a rich man's empty, brand new tomb. Then they had to break for Sabbath. And Sabbath actually ended the previous night. But rather than go to, that, to the grave that night, the women waited till very early, till the sun was just coming up on Easter Sunday morning, and they went back to that tomb. But they went back to that tomb to find a dead body and anoint it. What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? It's a worthy question. The question of the angel to the two Marys is a worthy question for us to ask ourselves this morning. As well. Secondly, I want to I want to just note the the critical importance of pressing on. No, I'm using Paul's language from Philippians. But can you? Well, you can. You you have been there. Uh, you, you can imagine what those women were going through. And if I had been them in that situation, well, I know what I would have done because it was the same thing that the other disciples did. The men disciples did. They locked themselves in an upper room and grieved and grieved, right? But what I noticed about these women is that they kept pressing on, right? Even when their hearts were absolutely shattered and destroyed, they pressed on. They kept going. And they went for that final duty. I've had the privilege of walking with families as they've lost loved ones, and I, and I see them just holding on. Oftentimes they remember nothing of the final days or the couple days after their loved one passed away because they were just holding on. They were just holding on. I just want to note for a second the beauty when all else is in turmoil, when your world has been turned upside down, the beauty of just pressing on. So that's why there's not an ounce of judgment or condemnation. The angel had none for those women. Neither do I. They were, they were just holding on and pressing on. But did you see what happened when they did? Their world was turned completely upside down. They came to the tomb that Easter Sunday morning and they were spiritually broken. Why do I say that? Because, because they had believed that Jesus was God and now God was dead and lying in a tomb, right? They were emotionally broken. Jesus was completely God, but he was also completely human. And they loved him and their loved one was dead. 
But they were, they were even physically shaken that morning. How do I know that? Have you ever experienced a violent earthquake? Have you? I, I almost said I have the privilege. It's not a privilege. My first one that I remember, I was six years old on the island of Okinawa and, and standing there with my sisters. And all, next thing we knew, we were on the ground and the ground was rolling, literally rolling uh, with this massive earthquake that hit Okinawa that day. Since then, I've been in several earthquakes. I lived in California, earthquake capital of the world here, and, and, and experienced several major quakes there. It absolutely rattles your cage. Those 3.0s, those 4.0s that we sometimes get around here are, shake you, don't they? But, but imagine now that they're not, not, just spiritual, not just physically shaken by the earthquake. They're also emotionally shaken and spiritually shaken. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing that the women were, were able to even be there at the tomb. But God always honors when we press on. If you have a chance and go back and can look at that Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul experienced all kinds of, of um, brokenness, physically, emotionally, spiritually, himself. And, and the words that he shared with us and we shared with you just a, a moment ago are such powerful word. For, the, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I even count them as nothing in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness that depends on faith. I want to know Christ, he said. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship that comes from sharing in his suffering so that somehow, by some way, I too might attain the resurrection of the dead. He said, Paul, how are you going to do that? And he said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on, straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on for the goal of the upward prize of God in Christ Jesus. I'm so grateful for the people that press on, who hold on and press on, even in such difficult circumstances. But if I could, I'd like to ask a couple of questions. What do you do? What do you do when your, your body, soul, and spirit have been cut adrift? When, when you've, you're into this new territory and you, nothing is familiar anymore, everything has been turned upside down, what do you do when your soul is adrift? I want to suggest to you three anchors. And I'm, 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 my, my mind just went this morning to this Hebrews passage. We, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. He was alluding to the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus, when that earthquake happened and the stone was rolled away, another gospel writer tells us that that the last dividing wall between the very presence of God and humanity was torn in two. I shared with many of you, um, it's astounding to me to go to, uh, to Jerusalem today and see the fault line, see the fault line in the ground that leads to the temple. And, and to understand, and by the way, prophecy tells us there'll be another earthquake and the same probably fault line and, and that ground is going to shake again. But we're in this in-between time 
this, this yes but not yet time. What do you do? What do you do when you're... Your body, your soul, and your spirit are rocking. Well, here again, it's going to sound simplistic, but here, the very word of God to those women through those, that angel on that Easter Sunday morning, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want to suggest to you, I'm sure there's myriad reasons why the angel said that, but, but fear clouds our vision, does it not? When, when we are afraid, all of a sudden we don't hear things that we should hear. We don't see things that we should see. And all of a sudden we're not operating on all the information that God is giving us in that time. Fear clouds our grief. Excuse me. Clouds our vision. And, and I'm, I, I don't want to go here, but I'm have to go here. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if grief in a way, is not also fear being expressed in us. When your world got turned upside down by a loss of a job or the loss of someone very close to you, when you entered into it, whatever level you were able to do that, that genuine grief, all of a sudden, your eyes were taken off of all the clues that God was giving you about hope, all the possibilities of the future. And you wondered, what will my life be? my life be like, I, again, I, I'm such, it's still so foolish because I've not experienced the grief that you have. I'm not. I remember just, just brushes with grief, right? Just brushes with it. I remember one short season in my life, three women in my life all had breast cancer scares all at the same time. And, and I was so afraid. I was so afraid. I didn't know what life would be like. I didn't know how I would react. There's so much that I didn't know. The angel says to me and the angel says to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But I love about the angel too here is is that the angel invited us immediately into participating. The angel just didn't say, don't be afraid, hope it works out for you. The angel gave us something to do. What did he give the women to do right there? Come, he said. Come and see, right? Why a commandment to see unless they were not seeing? But they were right there, right? They were there at the tomb. There's bodies of guards scattered around on the ground. There is a, a stone blown away from the entrance to the, the cave, the tomb. And there's, there's this angel and the description of the angel is just like the descriptions in several other places in scriptures of God, of Jesus. It's this radiant white, this, this inexpressible light, right? They were, they were experiencing all those things. Why say, come and see, when they're already there seeing? Because oftentimes, we don't see what's right in front of us. Oftentimes, we can't perceive what, what is, is happening right in front of us. The angel's very specific. See the place where he lay, right? Remember that last place you saw him? I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Why? Because, not because there's some beauty or majesty in the grave cloths that were lying there, but the whole point was he is not there. I want you to see this for yourself. And this kind of presses the point for us, doesn't it? Because a lot of us just, just adopted the faith of someone else, right? 
We adopted the faith of someone else, and we're grateful for that. We are so grateful for that. But at some point, it's got to become yours. At some point, you have to see for yourself. At some point, you have to believe for yourself. At some point, you have to experience for yourself. See the place where he lay, because that tomb is empty, right? Jesus is risen. The angels trying to let them experience But then he keeps using this word. It's going to sound awkward right here, but five times in these brief passages, he says some form of see. Three of them are the command. See. I want you to see with your eyes. But but two of them are that that behold word that's become a friend of ours, right? And and remember what behold means? Looky there, right? Looky there. The angel was from Kentucky, right? Looky there. Looky there. This is important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Right? Looky there. See, not only that the, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus has risen, but see that he's going before you. you. I want you to perceive this. He told you he was going to do it. He had this beautiful, beautiful expression in John 14. I go to prepare a place for you, right? And if I go... In this weird um, Jesus logic, he says, if I go, that's the sign that I'm going to come back for you so that you may be where I also am. John 14, right? So so see that he's going before you. This This trauma, this tragedy, the experiences that you've gone through had a purpose. They had a purpose. And Jesus has gone before you. That's why it's such a blessed hope. Again, I don't mean to tread on your, your hearts, but such a blessed hope when, when someone who knows and loves Jesus goes, uh, passes away from us, they don't cease to exist, right? Today, Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise, right? They have gone before. But the first one, before they ever went before you, Jesus went before you to prepare a place for you. See that. See that he's going before you. And see, now, now they're talking particularly about another baby step along the way. Jesus said, I want, I want you to tell, the angel told him, I want you to tell him to meet me in Galilee. And there's a whole beautiful study here. that He's taking them right back into Galilee of the Gentiles, into the place where there is no word, into the place where there is no faith. My work is not done, Jesus is saying, but you are going to do it for me. You are going to complete my work, right? So, so um, the angel is talking about telling the disciples to go and meet Jesus in Galilee. But I think there's a larger word for us here as well. Jesus has gone before us as well. And he's prepared a place for us. See, looky there, everybody. Look, look, you will see him again. Is that a word of truth, beloved? Is it? I was a little less than enthusiastic. Is that a word of truth? Will we see? Everybody will see him again. The question is, is what condition will our hearts be when we see him? Will it be with inexpressible joy, right? Or will it be with, with incredible fear and trembling? Because we did not believe the time of his visitation to us, right? So, so, look, the place 
where he lay is empty. Jesus has risen. Look, he's going before you. He's going before you. And you will see him again. He will meet you there. Don't be afraid. Come and see. But then go and tell, right? Go and tell. We studied this last year together and, and, and just reminded you that how many times does, does the healing happen when, when the going begins? Boy, I said that awkwardly. Let me put it differently. Um, how many times do we see this in message? In going, they were healed, right? It was in going, in that obedience to what they already knew to be true, that, that their worlds got, got turned right side up again, right? How does that play out here? It's very tricky here, and I hope I'm not pushing a point that, that God did not want to push here, but the, the women did what the angel said. He said, go and tell. The disciples, they went. And what happened next? It went by really fast in the scripture, didn't it? Jesus met them. Jesus met them. Right? And, and I, I, this is completely, Dave. I don't know completely what's happening there. I love it that when they began to obey, they experienced Jesus. But he reminded of something the angel had just said. Matthew tells us that they began immediately. They ran to tell the disciples in great fear and great joy. Well, what could possibly take away our fear? I don't know about you, but I have lots of fears. Have I spent my life in vain? You know, have, uh, I, uh, people ridicule me and my position and, and my understanding of God's word, right? And, and yeah, I find myself still afraid sometimes. What if this isn't true, right? What if, what if I've spent my entire life in vain? And isn't it beautiful as they just did what the angel told them, that Jesus met them and reassured them? <laughs> Nothing like a resurrected Jesus to say you have not lived your life in vain. Nothing like seeing all that you have hoped for that, that says your life has not been in vain, right? In, in going they were healed. And maybe, just maybe, it's in your going. When you begin to put into practice what you already have heard, that you, too, will meet Jesus. So what is the message of Easter for us here? What are we supposed to tell the, disciples, tell the other disciples, right? What are we supposed to go back to Galilee of the Gentiles to tell those who don't yet know? Who Christ is. Three powerful words. You've said them countless times already today. He has risen, right? That's the first expression. Oh, in the next ten weeks at all of that, we're going to be exploring what is this powerful message of the gospel. It's, it's much larger than you could have ever imagined. It's much more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. How did Paul put it? No, eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store, right? For those who love Him, this gospel is going to be a beautiful thing, but it's as simple as, as the message that you heard today. It's as simple as He has risen. Who's the He? Jesus Christ is the He, right? 
has? What has he, what has he done? He, he did the work God asked. He broke the power, right? He broke the power of sin and disease and, and even death. He has risen. What was dead is alive to you. Excuse me, is alive again. What? What has died in you? Is that a fair question? Um, lots of times, lots of times, um, hope dies. Amen. Lots of times, it's easier not to believe. I can't tell you, even this last year, how many conversations I've had like this. I don't want to hope. They don't call me Pastor Dave because they're, they're not part of this flock. That I don't want to hope anymore, Dave. Because it hurts too much to hope. Has hope died in you? What, what has died in you? The resurrection message applies to you today as well. What was dead can be alive again, right? Why? Because Christ who was dead is alive again. This message changes everything. It changes everything. Do you remember when, when Mary and Martha in John chapter 11, just a few weeks before this, when Mary and Martha's whole world was crushed because their brother uh, Lazarus had passed away and, and having seen Jesus uh, raise the dead before they quickly called to Jesus, come Jesus, Lazarus is sick unto death. And, and and they waited and they waited and Jesus did nothing. Let me remind you, they waited and they waited and God did nothing, right? Oh, it's easier sometimes to let hope die than to try and understand what God is doing. But you remember what Jesus said to his disciples in that situation? This this death will bring glory to God. And he went there and wept with those who wept. And then he said those powerful words, come forth, Lazarus, come forth. Their hopes, their world was crushed, right? But Jesus spoke into their crushed world and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he or she dies, yet shall they live again. And anyone who becomes spiritually alive in me through faith, will never die. And then he asked the question, right? I've asked you several hard questions today. Let me ask you a beautiful one. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The power of sin is broken. Yeah, yeah. Even yours, yeah? Even the sins committed against you. The power of those sins over you is broken. The power, in, in this weird thing I do, this power of disease that comes from not understanding what's going on, the power of disease which leads to disease is broken. Is broken. We're lifting up one of our brothers uh, who had massive surgery last week and still is in ICU, I think, even to this moment. And... And, and just desperately needing God's healing touch. We're going to believe that the power of brokenness in his body has been overcome. Has been overcome. We're praying for a complete healing, miraculous healing for him. 
But, but the angel's taken it even farther than we could imagine. The power even of death has been broken. Well, what was the symbol of death in that first century world? It was the cross, right? The worst form, even I think, I'm trying to think, I'm not, I don't even let my mind go to various tortures and stuff, but I'm not aware of a more hideous way of humiliating someone even to the point of death than the Roman cross. The cross meant the end of everything that they had hoped for. But do you remember the words of the song that we sang just a few moments ago? The cross is not the end. The cross is my beginning. I think it was Christian who sang. A line drawn in the sand. The end of all my striving. Now I am born again. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, thank you for stories. Thank you for real people, God, who, who travel the same path that we're traveling, but have gone before us, God, and, and, and have made the same mistakes, have experienced the same struggle, have, have pressed on even through the midst of that, God, and, and now have led us into a whole other world, a world turned upside down by the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, God, I pray today that you would grant us the faith to put our weight down on what Jesus has done. It's, it's astounding to me, God, that an act of love by someone else can have so much impact on my love, on my life. But I'm going to believe that the love of Jesus has done exactly that. That it has removed my sin as far as the east as from the west. It's removed the brokenness and pain that others have caused me. God, I'm no longer a slave to those things. God, it's removed even my fear of suffering, my fear of death, my fear of brokenness. Oh God, thank you for your word today. Grant us, would you, that mustard seed of faith to believe, Jesus, that you have risen from the dead, to believe that you're reigning at the right hand of God the Father right now, praying for us that we would have the courage to believe what you have said is true. And then, God, I I rejoice. I know every person, your word says it, every person who believes that Jesus is Lord, every person who confesses that publicly, every person who believes that you raised Jesus from the dead, who believes this message today, will have eternal life. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And pray that it may be true for us. In Christ's name, amen. we need more than an amen today. We need, we need a, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm a frozen chosen. This is hard for me. We need an hallelujah. Can you say that? Hallelujah. Can you have another one? Hallelujah.